Welcome to the Leadership on Demand podcast presented by the Krauss Center for Leadership and Ethics at the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina located in historic downtown Charleston. I'm Colonel Tom Clark, Executive Director of the Krauss Center, and we are proud to share an inside look at the training, thinking, and experiences of principal leaders. Since 1842, the Citadel has produced principal leaders in all walks of life, and we look forward to sharing some of what makes the Citadel a strong and unique institution with you today. On this week's episode of Leadership on Demand, we will take a behind-the-scenes look at principal leadership training with special guest Cadet Jack Schubert. Jack is an honor rep and Tango Company XO who's going to talk about the structure and condition of the honor system, accountability versus leniency, and the accusation and honor court process. I'm today's host, Lieutenant Colonel Ted Feening from the Krauss Center for Leadership and Ethics at the Citadel. Thank you for joining us for today's Leadership on Demand podcast. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Leadership on Demand podcast. I'm your host, Lieutenant Colonel Ted Feening, and I have got today uh, Cadet Schubert. What's your first name? Jack. Jack Schubert from Greenville, South Carolina, Tango Company XO. Uh, Jack, tell us a little bit about uh, where you're from and what you're up to. Uh, yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Jack Schubert. I'm from Greenville, South Carolina, uh, born and raised there. And, uh, you know, I'm a finance major here at the Citadel, um, not pursuing a contract or anything. And uh, after I graduate, I plan on going into asset management. Great. Now, I'm going to start with the same question I always start with. What is the greatest challenge that Citadel cadets face today? Um, you know, I think that the greatest challenge that Citadel cadets face is, you know, what may not be common is, you know, after your knob year, when you've had everything kind of micromanaged for you um, and you kind of find your sophomore, junior and senior year, you know, where I'm at um, is being able to have that freedom and kind of adjusting to adjusting to that freedom once you're not a knob anymore. Um, and you can kind of choose your schedule and choose when you do things like working out, studying, uh, making your uniform and stuff like that. And I think really to put it in a couple of words is having that personal accountability for yourself, um, which you kind of really get to first experience in your sophomore year and then maintaining that and kind of finding that groove that you can get in um, to make yourself you know, more accountable for your own, your own person. Um, I've heard that that is a critical transition from knob year to sophomore year. And someone once, a cadet once told me it's like stepping off one of those moving walkways at the airport. You kind of, it's discombobulating. You've been kind of on a track and now you've got to figure your own way. Is is that a key moment when you see some cadets uh, get their act together or come off the rails? Yes, sir. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think that, I think that people will find that moment um, when they really get themselves together for multiple reasons. You know, some people really get serious about pursuing a contract. Some people really get serious about pursuing, you know, high rank um, positions at the school. You know, maybe that's their motivation. Um, And some people just have, you know, that intrinsic motivation to do so already. And, you know, they really take what they learned as a freshman um, and then use that, you know, go full speed ahead as soon as they can. Right. Now, today's interview, we really kind of want to drill down on on a specific topic, which is honor and the honor system at the Citadel. Um, My understanding is that you're pretty well versed in all of that. And a lot of listeners have an idea that the Citadel has an honor code. Um, but they don't really understand some of the nuances maybe. So uh, I I would start with this. How do cadets, how does the honor system work to hold cadets accountable at the Citadel? What is the the landscape? How is it laid down? 
Yeah, so that's a that's a really good question. I think that you know the the Citadel's honor code is a cadet will not ch- lie, cheat, steal, or tolerate those who do, um, and that encompasses everybody automatically when you include that toleration piece um, of lying, cheating, and stealing. Um, and you know to answer your question, the way that the honor code you know keeps cadets in line as far as lying, cheating, and stealing go. Um, is that everybody, you know, we can kind of view it in the way that I do, is everybody is a steward, you know, of the preservation of our honor system here. You know, whether you're an honor rep um, for a company or whether, you know, you don't have any affiliation with it, you still have that responsibility not to tolerate breaking any of these rules, which is what I think the Citadel, you know, does differently than, you know, even a lot of the service academies um, and a lot of other military colleges don't include an honor piece. You know, therefore, you know, a lot of the cadets there kind of take a out of sight, out of mind approach to it. Whereas at the Citadel, cadets really hold the honor system dearly, and we pride ourselves on following that. Um, and it becomes more, more so a group think to where we need to maintain this, or else a lot of other things could slip. Okay, so the nuts and bolts of maintaining it, like, is there? Let's say I see a cadet lying, cheating, or stealing, and I do not want to tolerate that. What is the process by which that is adjudicated? So every company um, and every battalion has every company has two honor reps, and every battalion has one honor so rep. Twenty-one companies, five battalions. Yes, sir. Got it. Um, and if you see somebody, you know, if you're sitting in class and you see somebody cheat on an exam that you're taking. Um, then you're gonna the process for that and cadets know this is to you know immediately go to your company honor rep um, and report that and say hey I'd like to file an accusation against somebody okay um, and from there that company rep or that battalion rep if that's who you choose to go to um, will take that up kind of the chain of command within the honor co- committee and and you know file that accusation and there will be an investigation into the into the happenings that you're reporting. Um, and from there, once you really accuse that person of it, you'll go through a series of interviews and investigations to clarify some of the things that happened. Um, and after that, the honor committee you know, takes control of it and, and finds the facts. So once you've reported the transgression or alleged transgression, then the honor committee does all of the fact finding and that sort of thing. And how long does it take? Like, let's say you report your roommate or someone down the hall for cheating. How long does it take to get that uh, process going yeah so um uh, once an investigation is approved yeah. so it actually has to go through the Kraus center first um, is that colonel streeter yes sir okay uh, once an investigation is approved um to go and you know be looked at and, and found the, the facts of um that investigation team will be assigned and once that team is assigned it's three investigators uh, they have 15 working days um not including weekends or if we we're going on a furlough at that time 15 working days to find all the facts and then make a decision as to whether or not they believe this accusation should go to trial, which would be going to the courtroom. Um, and once they do that, they'll they'll tell the vice chair of investigations that, um, hey, we believe this should go to trial or we don't believe this should go to trial. Uh, the vice chair of investigations will then agree or disagree with them and then ultimately take that decision to Colonel Streeter here at the Krauss Center and, and he will have the final say of, Yes, these are the facts that we found. Here's the evidence, and we're going to take this to trial. Um, and if that decision's made, then you know you wait a couple of days more and find your trial date. 
and then you're eventually, you know, sitting in the courtroom. All right. So before we get to trial, let's talk about let's talk about the track where it doesn't go to trial. So if it doesn't go to trial, does something happen to that cadet, or ha- what happens if it doesn't go to trial? Is it just kind of over? Is that a that's a that's a whoo? You know, we're we're clear, we've investigated, but there's no there's not enough here to uh, convict, I guess, or to try to convict a cadet of some sort of bad action. Yes, sir. So if if the decision's made for it not to go to trial, um, then that that's really it. It okay. just drops, and we we do pride ourselves on maintaining that sensitive information. Right. Um, oftentimes that can come with collecting evidence. Sure. And once that decision is made of no, this is not going to trial. All the evidence collected, all of the accusation sheets that were you know written out and collected for for that accusation are immediately shredded in the honor room. Um, and all that information is maintained confidential. Now, when we talk about going to trial, the actual courtroom, that's in Mark Clark Hall? Yes, sir. So describe the courtroom and describe like what it's like to be, how a trial proceeds. Yes, sir. So the courtroom itself is in the third th- third floor of Mark Clark Hall. Um, and when you walk into it the first time, I know I did, I was kind of taken aback at how um, professionally set up it is and how nice it is um, you know it's the very far far wall of the room there's a long bench um, for the 10 voting members to sit on for the court and then on either side you know being the left and right facing that that long bench is the defense team their desk and then the trial team's desk right and so at, you know behind that you have a bunch of seats if a cadet chooses to have an open court where any member of the Corps of Cadets can So the accused become. can choose. Yes, sir. That's one of their rights. Okay. Um, and it has seats for, you know, for lack of a better word, for an audience to sit and, sure. and see how the court proceeds. Okay. And as far as, you know, how the court proceeds goes, it's all very, everything's very formal and it has to be in lockstep with what the honor manual dictates. And we have to follow that so that we make sure that all risk of, you know, having a mistrial for some reason um, is out the window, and there's a there's a very detailed list that the honor chairman reads off of. Now we're gonna, you know, have the the trial and defense teams enter the room. Now our our witnesses are gonna enter the room. Everybody's gonna be read their rights. The accused is gonna be read his rights again, and then you know that hammer will hit, and the gavel will hit the desk, and that court's gonna be in session. Anybody who's not um, you know, necessary for that portion of the proceedings is going to be asked to to wait outside or in the or in the the ante room for the trial team, and they'll be brought in um, kind of chronologically of how the events of the accusation unfolded, and once they're no longer uh, useful to the trial, they'll be you know said that they can leave and they'll they'll go on about their evening. Okay, and so all of this uh, evidence is presented, witnesses are called, and then at the end of the trial, how, how does it sort of wrap up? How, what, and, and once it wraps up, where does it go from there? Yes, sir. So once the trial team, the defense team, have both made their arguments, they also have an opportunity. Both of them will make a closing statement. Right. Um, and then the regimental honor chairman will call um, everybody in the room. Uh, out of the courtroom so that the 10 voting members can sit and deliberate and make their decision on whether or not they believe that cadet who's in question that night is in violation or okay. not in violation. And they'll also have a vote for leniency. Right. Uh, both of those votes are 
by written secret ballot, so there isn't any influence um, by anybody else or persuasion. If your friends, one of your buddies also a rep and he really wants you to vote for one way because he thinks a certain way about it, it's all secret and written. Um, once they're done deliberating, and that can that can take you know any amount of time. Sure. Um, once they have made their decision, everybody's called back in, and that part you know honestly is very quick. You know the the court will be you know called back into session. And the regimental honor chairman will just read off that tonight, 10 members of, of this court found you in violation. And then that. And what if it's split, ends. five and five or seven and three? So the, the way that the voting system works is all it takes is one person. You know, if the decision is to vote in violation, right? it has to be unanimous, okay. meaning it has to be 10 to zero. Everyone has to decide that yes, you sir. are in violation for it to, for the final verdict of the court to be in violation yes sir okay. and if it's nine to one then that could that will be found not in violation okay um and of course after that you know i i like to tell a lot of a lot of my friends who especially my friends who ask me about um the honor committee and how it works and what i do and a common conception amongst cadets is that well i don't want to be an honor rep because i don't want to kick anybody out of school right um but the the beautiful thing i think about our honor committee and the way that it's set up is that you know I as a company honor rep? If I vote that somebody's in violation, you know I'm not the judge, jury, and the executioner. Um, the the final say and the final decision on all of this comes from General Walters and what he thinks. President of the college. Yes, sir. All right. we do is give him our decision on it. I see. Um, and he will read over all of the facts as well, and then he'll make the final decision as to what you know will happen going forward. So the the, the entire honor process. Uh, culminates in, in, in a recommendation both for violation, not violation, pretty high standard, 10 to 0, and then leniency, is that also, is that a, a unanimous vote or is that? Leniency is a vote by the majority. Okay, so it's either six said leniency, what if it's 5-5? Five, five? So the the way that the leniency vote works is that the regimental honor chairman does not vote for leniency. I so there's only nine members. Got that it. Vote so for it's that. five, then it's majority. So the president gets on his desk, this guy's in violation or not in violation according to the honor court. And we recommend leniency or we don't recommend leniency. That's what the president gets, plus all of the discovery and facts of the case. Yes, sir. Okay. And then uh, just for those out there, I know there's an appeal process. I'm not totally familiar with it. But once the, the president decides, his decision can be what? You're out of school. It can be you've got to – is there any other type of decision he makes like you've got to – other types of punishments? Yes, sir. So, you know, there's there's been cases before where you know, the honor committee will find somebody in violation and at the same time recommend leniency. Um, I think one of the most popular um, and most common ways that the, the president will, will take that leniency decision is he will then enroll a cadet into the leniency program with the Krauss Center. Okay. Um, where they're going to have some required readings and essays on what honor is and how to maintain honor. You know, most importantly, how to recover one's own personal honor if there's a, a situation where they compromise it. Um, and they'll go through that program and, and, you know, pretty consistently meet with uh, whoever their designated supervisor is for that and, and talk with them through that on how to how to get your honor back after you've compromised That's it. That's really interesting because... It's a, it's a leadership laboratory, yes, sir. and it's really tough to – what do you think the Corps of Cadets' feeling is on accountability versus leniency? How, how is the – what's the zeitgeist? What are they thinking about? I think it's a pretty – I think it's a pretty split, um, you know, kind of feeling towards it. I think, you know, for, for me personally, I, I believe that the honor committee and the honor system at the Citadel is one that 
really definitely separates us as an institution from anywhere else. Uh, I think that the cadets hold that a lot more near and dear to their heart than any other institution. And so I think that having a, a policy of if you have compromised your own honor, um, not having leniency is, is an option. Um, however, I think that if you're going to go down that road, you need to operate a system that is zero fail. You know, at, at every single step of the process, everything has to be perfectly done, perfectly recorded and accurate in order to maintain that standard of no leniency. Right. Um, but most people, um, and, I, and I also agree with this in a lot of ways, is that, you know, we have to have, have accountability for, for each other. Um, you know, me outside of the honor system, being a leader in the Corps of Cadets, I have to have accountability for, for my people and my company. And, you know, as a company XO, I am always giving opportunities to, to kind of regain some trust if it's broken mm. or, you know, prove themselves again uh, if, if a task has failed or something like that. And I think that we should, we should also do that in the honor committee. Um, there's a lot of instances where people have you know, outside factors that I've seen, I've defended people on before and they had a lot going on and, and they were, you know, at risk to, to commit an honor violation. And unfortunately they did, but you know, I know as, as a cadet, how stressful things can be. And I know that, that people make mistakes. And I think that if, if their, their character can be, you know, built back after that, I think we should give them that opportunity. It's really interesting, the, the, the tension between upholding a rigid system that you can be proud of and say, this is the law of the land, this is the way the Citadel operates, and also ex accept the fact that these are 18 to 22-year-old brains that are growing and learning and are going to make mistakes are put in very high stress situations and it's it's really interesting to hear your perspective of how that process plays out uh, so that um, the best recommendation by a unanimous panel is made if someone's going to be found in violation and then is going to be asked to to leave the school um, that's a really stringent process um, are there any ways that the honor system honor education um, is there anything that's that's broken or could be improved about the system, in your opinion? Yeah, I think that I think there's always room for improvement. Um, you know, when it comes, especially to a committee and a a being within the Citadel that is so important um, and that I take entirely seriously. Um, I think there are improvements that could be made as far as you know what the what the general impression of the honor committee is. I think a lot of people will confuse um, the honor committee and what happens there with, you know, having impact by Jenkins Hall, which a lot of cadets, you know, don't have a great opinion of. You know, I think it's important for everybody to know that the two, as far as discipline goes and as far as honor goes, are completely separate. Interesting. Um, the honor system is completely cadet ran. Um, the decisions are made completely by cadets, obviously, with the final say by General Walters, the president of the Citadel. Um, but the two do not coincide. And, and people will often kind of say, you know, mistakenly so, I heard that so and so, you know, got pulled by you know for an honor violation when in reality you know that isn't what happened at all there was an accusation brought brought towards them from a completely separate individual or you know, maybe it's a professor or attack officer uh, and once that that accusation is received you know 90 percent of the time jenkins hall may have no idea that a cadet is being accused of an honor violation hmm. interesting um, and i think that comes from you know members of the honor committee holding that confidentiality so high um, 
and I think that we need to I think we need to iron out our processes for how we do things better. We have very detailed, very rigid um, systems in place for how to go about doing an investigation, how to go about sure. a courtroom, how to you know. In fact, file. One, one of the uh, one of the potential criticisms of the honor court honor system it's so legalistic that sometimes you know when you've made the point that you need an airtight case if you're going to go as far as recommending in violation and expulsion or some sort of heavy duty. Uh, discipline. Um, so, it, it, you know, in 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 as a final wrap up to this, um, in your opinion, it sounds like the honor system is working here at the Citadel. Um, once it's out of the honor court's hands, um, do you feel that the or do you think, I know you can't speak for the entire honor court, but do you think that the balance between leniency and accountability at the presidential and the um, appellate level is is in, is in also working? That is, that's a, that's a tough question. I think, um, I think that the honor system works when cadet honor reps do their job. Mm-hmm. Um, I know... I know reps that are great at their job and they do it for the right reasons. Um, but um, you know, unfortunately, us living in an imperfect world, I think that there are, there are people out there who who don't take it as seriously as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer your question, I think that overall, I think the honor system is working at the Citadel, um, mostly because cadets hold it so so near and dear to their heart that any time honor is brought brought up, the room goes a little bit quiet. Because right. people know and they understand how serious that is, um, and I think that the leniency aspect of the honor system is working as well. Okay. Uh, because I think that the cadets who are voted to be members of the honor system, the honor committee, um, really do take the time to understand that as they're sitting there as a voting member, um, and you know from experience in, in voting. You know, I, he definitely this 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 kid definitely did it, and this cadet definitely compromised their honor. Um, now the question comes in of, do I think that his honor can be restored? Right. Do I think that he wants his honor to be restored? Hmm. Um, and in times that I voted in violation and not given a recommendation of leniency, you know, you have to live with that. You have to understand that you made that decision with all of the facts in front of you, and you weren't persuaded either which way you're voting objectively towards that that uh, decision and I think that the honor committee as a whole being being a voting member there seeing how people handle that and how they think through that and watching everybody you know the gears turning in their head of how am I going to make this decision as long as we have cadets who are honor reps that really give each case genuine thought and they really think through the decision that they're making I think that the training that we've had as honor reps and the system that we hold so highly, I think that it'll work. Okay. Well, Cadet Schubert, thanks so much for your time. That was a really fascinating look into the Citadel honor system. Thank you. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Leadership on Demand podcast presented by the Krauss Center for Leadership and Ethics at the Citadel. You can find us online and we welcome your feedback and suggestions on who you, our audience, would like to hear from in future episodes. Thank you for your time today. We hope you'll join us here again soon for another episode of Leadership on Demand.